Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Chris, when you were in grade school, did you know who your superintendent was or what role they had with the schools? I'm going to say I probably didn't even know what the position was. I'm, I have to go back and look now, but we used to get all those class pictures they'd print out. I think the superintendent was listed as the person on those class pictures, but I, yeah, I don't recall. I know the principal definitely was on yeah. there. I don't recall ever really having uh, the wherewithal to know who the superintendent <laughs> was or what they did. Yeah, probably a good thing if you didn't have to interact with that person. But yeah, in middle school, as a student, you don't really interact, I guess, that much with your superintendent. I went to school in Texas. So I remember I wrote my superintendent a letter in middle school because they had very strict like district borders. And I was trying to get into a different middle school and I petitioned my case and and went and met him and took don't. It was a whole thing. But wow. okay, some some early Gabby advocacy work like journalism, (laughs) you know, kind of planting its roots in that way. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. But I feel like as an adult, you definitely learn more. We've learned more, especially now, how important that job is. And, you know, especially I'm a parent here in Albuquerque, very much more aware of how important the superintendent's job is. And we are now in the final stretch of choosing a new leader for New Mexico's largest of 89 school districts across the state. And that is Albuquerque Public Schools. And APS has 143 schools, and we know in the news business when it comes to questions about how schools operate, questions about school safety, instruction, improving student outcomes, etc., the buck pretty much stops with the superintendent. In the years since the pandemic, Scott Elder has had that lead role. He's also been a guest here on this podcast. Last June, Elder announced that he had made the decision to retire when his contract expires, and that is coming up June 30th of 2024. And we've had him here, like Chris mentioned on the podcast, if you want to go back in your feed and listen to him address a lot of the changes that APS saw in just this school year, free meals, a new schedule. But today we're diving deeper into the search for his replacement. And joining us is APS Board of Education President Danielle Gonzalez. Danielle, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So first, broadly, what is your role as board president? Because we know you've been on the board for a little while now. Can you give us a little bit about some of your background and what role does the APS board have in choosing the superintendent? Yeah, so I have been on the APS board for two years, beginning my third year now, and now serving as the president. The primary thing that I do is keep things moving. So help set agendas for our meetings, help forge clarity between the board and the superintendent, and really just help to smooth operations and communications between the board and the district itself. Overall, the board really has three primary responsibilities. One is to approve the budget for the school district, which is a huge responsibility because the budget is about $2 billion. The second is to approve policies related to the school district. And then the third responsibility of school board members is to hire, fire, and evaluate the superintendent. And that's what we're doing right now. And so just to ask a little bit more about you, you joined the school board basically at the beginning of 2022, if I'm correct. You're now the board president, as you mentioned, you kind of help move things along. What was it that made you want to be on the school board 
And if I asked you two years ago, if you thought you'd be in the position now where you're board president and about to pick a new superintendent, what would you have said? Would you believed that that was going to happen? Yeah. So I grew up here in Albuquerque and I live in the same community where I grew up and I attended all APS schools. I went to Cochiti, John Adams and graduated from Valley High School. And I'm fortunate because like a lot of kids in my community, Valley was very much a community and a part of the neighborhood. My parents went to school there. They actually met as students there. All my aunts and uncles and cousins went to school there. So I felt a very deep connection to this community and to these schools. And during the pandemic, as a parent, I have four kids. They're now 7, 11, 13, and 14. At the time, they were four years younger. And so I was trying to navigate the system of having them in school, trying to find pre-K, trying to understand virtual learning, trying to make sure they were getting the instruction that they needed. And I had actually spent my whole career in education. I started out as a classroom teacher, but I really worked in education policy. And I had the privilege of working a lot with a lot of other districts from across the country. And so I knew some promising practices, some best practices, some examples of things that other school districts were doing during the pandemic. And I thought, if I have something to contribute, if I so love my community, this is the time to throw my hat in and try to make a difference, not just for my kids, but for the future. And at that time, I sort of joked that like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I win. (laughs) And then that happened. And so I really think was primarily thinking about what can we do to help guide this district out of the pandemic, to focus on recovery, to focus on improving learning, but also to focus on well-being overall, mental health, social and emotional wellness, making sure that kids feel safe at school and really learning my job. I had not watched an APS or attended an APS school board meeting before, so I didn't really know how they were run. And so I definitely did not want a leadership position. I wanted to learn and to contribute and figure out how to get things done. And now after two years, I feel like I've, I've learned a lot about that and we're, we're really moving forward and making some progress. It's interesting uh, just to hear some of that background, because we did hear from so many parents in the pandemic about, you know, whether it was concerns, support against how schools were conducting business, you could say. And so to, to have those experiences, to see that you joined the school board now and to be at this sort of pivotal point, it's very interesting. I think that's why a lot of people decide to throw their you know hat in the ring, like you said, because so many things were changing constantly for families during those years. I've shared a similar experience. I joined the board at my daughter's preschool similarly, because I'm like, ah, I feel like there are things we could be doing better here. Yeah. The reason why we're having this episode here, having this conversation, it'll be Tuesday, January 30th, when this episode hits the airwaves and it's timely because if you're listening on a morning commute from 9 a.m. to noon, there is a public town hall featuring a student panel and pre-submitted questions for the superintendent finalists. Then from 5 to 5.45 in the evening, there's an APS employee forum where those finalists will be asked questions by teachers and staff. And finally, 6 to 8 p.m. tonight, a general public forum where finalists will introduce themselves and answer those pre-submitted questions, all leading up to this big decision that's about to happen here. So, Danielle, are you hoping for a big turnout from the community for these forums? I am hoping for a big turnout from the community, and that's buoyed by how much the community has already engaged in this process. 
when we started the search back in October, we started with community engagement. We started with community sessions. We started with the survey. We began by asking the community, what do you want to see in your superintendent? And all of that feedback is what informed the job description. We then asked the community for more feedback. And then that sort of informed how we narrowed who our superintendent candidates are. And so we're really just trying to make sure that the community has and maintains a ringside seat to all of these important decisions. And I want to say when I say community, I truly mean everyone. Lots of times when people think about the APS community, they think about educators or staff or families with kids in APS schools. And while all of that is true, we mean students, we mean community leaders, we mean grandparents, we mean business leaders. We mean anyone who is affected by the work that Albuquerque Public Schools does. And so we really encourage folks to attend that public forum today. And just to briefly go over who these two finalists are for the superintendent job, we have Thomas A. Hart. He's from Des Moines, Iowa, a former superintendent of Des Moines Public Schools, and he's now a consultant with the Council of Great City Schools. We also have Gabriella Duran-Blakey. She's local out of Albuquerque. She's the chief operations officer at APS and previously served as one of the district's associate superintendents for leadership and learning. What else can you share with us about these two finalists? So I mentioned that we sought a lot of community feedback throughout this process. And one of the things that we asked the community is, what do you want to see in your superintendent? And they gave us some qualifications that we really heard across the board, no matter where in the city, no matter which groups, some things rose to the top. And so those themes, those qualifications are exactly what we've been looking for and exactly what we think both of these two candidates provide. So the first uh, and most important is just a fundamental belief that all kids can learn and deserve to learn. So that belief in every student, that every student deserves every opportunity and that it's our job as adults to provide that opportunity to every student, regardless of background. The second is harder because it's a demonstrated ability of having done so. So looking for evidence that this person in their prior career has actually led initiatives or work that have improved student outcomes and have made things better for the students they serve. And that right there really narrowed our pool um, because we want someone who can come in on day one and steer the ship and drive this district and implement our strategic plan. So that was huge. And then the third is kind of what we've been talking about already, community engagement. We want someone, the community told us, they want someone who values community voice, who listens to the community, who doesn't just make it a checkbox, but who truly gets into community and listens and appreciates and reflects back and uses that information and that feedback to actually inform decisions. So we were really listening for candidates describing their philosophies for how they engage, again, students, families, staff, community, different groups, and how they would do that here in Albuquerque. And so we do think the two candidates, the two finalists that we have, Dr. Ahart and Dr. Blakey, represent all of that. And so we're really pleased with them and excited to take the next step and make that final decision. So I think people have a general sense of the importance of a superintendent, but can you explain why do you think it's so important to get the right person in this role? Maybe if you can also share with us what you would like to see as a board member in the next superintendent. Yeah, you started off by sharing some of the numbers, some of the data about our school district. 
about 70,000 kids, the largest school district in the state of New Mexico. And I believe as goes APS, so goes the state. And so if we're going to be able to improve education across New Mexico, we really need to improve education here in Albuquerque. And that is the number one job of the superintendent. This board has really worked on refining our work with the superintendent and the district to make it clear that you're not being evaluated on how many legislative meetings you attend or how well respected you are in rural parts of New Mexico. That stuff matters. But what you're being evaluated on is whether students are learning. And we have set some really clear goals on that that are related to academic domains, like are they learning math and reading? But also, are they learning what the skills, habits, mindsets for life success? That's a huge one that parents told us really matters. So self-efficacy, uh, self-management, perseverance, time management, all of those things are so important. And that's what this district should do is what the community told us. And so the superintendent's job is to lead all of that. It's a massive organization, 12,000 staff. We do have a strategic plan in place. And you asked, what's my top priority? It really is that this person can come in and implement that plan because it's a five-year plan, which lays out our goals, lays out strategies, lays out initiatives and exactly how these things can happen. And so we need someone who is the implementer, who can align their budget requests to those initiatives, who can be strategic around decisions that they're making who can, when they're doing their hiring and their decisions, really prioritize student outcomes and the strategic plan as well. Because at the end of the day, the superintendent is the one person who makes every decision about the school district. It's the one person where the buck stops. And our kids are just too important to treat that lightly. I think the other thing too is our school districts across the country have experienced a lot of turmoil over the last couple of years obviously the pandemic, obviously external factors, but with superintendent turnover too. And we know that that trickles down through the system. And so we want stability. We want someone who's going to be in this role for the long haul, who's committed to this community. And so that makes it even more important, even more high stakes. But I think we're excited about this decision. I know I'm excited about this decision ahead of us. Yeah. You mentioned surveys, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. I'm an APS parent, and I remember filling out a survey recently about extending the school year and how the current breaks are working for families. I know APS has also asked for feedback from families about what we'd like to see from the new superintendent. The governor in her state of the state address recently talked about expanding the school year to 180 days. So it's clear that she supports that. And I've heard, you know, cynical comments from parents like, well, we're given these surveys to say that they asked us, but really they don't really feel like their voice counts all that much. So I wanted to ask you as the board president, how much weight do these surveys and public input play into big decisions like picking a superintendent, like expanding a new school year overall? Yeah, I can say when it comes to selecting the superintendent, these community surveys, community feedback overall is probably the number one driving and deciding factor. As elected board members, we exist to represent the values and the vision of the community. I'm not in this seat to represent my own perspective, my own feelings, my own values. I think all that stuff's really good and really important and really matters, but I'm here to represent the community. And if I don't know what the community wants, then I can't represent their perspective. And so we get that from the surveys, but we conducted over 20 additional 
outreach sessions with the community, with neighborhood associations, community groups, business groups, a whole host of uh, employee groups, student groups to gather additional feedback, again, all across the city. And I think what's important as we think about things like elections, which you started with, we in our elected positions are going to come and go. And we need to have that stability over time. So if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, if I don't run for office again, or if I lose in my re-election bid, this stuff needs to stay consistent because this is what the community told us that they expect and want to see. So we're really, really committed to that. You asked about some of the other big policy decisions like um, the calendar. There was one other one you mentioned. Those are certainly taken into consideration as well, along with a variety of other factors, of course. There's some of the legal parameters. There's other policy related to our collective bargaining agreement and teacher time. And so it really is the administration's job to take all of those factors into consideration and then to present us the board with a recommendation that we're making the final decision based on all of that feedback and all of that information. But I think all of us take it really seriously to, to center that community feedback. So we talked a little bit about just sort of the idea that if the rest of the state wants to improve outcomes for students, it's got to start kind of at APS because it is the biggest school district, right? And it sort of need to lead the way, if you will. According to state assessments, most APS students aren't at grade level in math or English language arts. And while that's been the case for a while, the pandemic made the situation worse, as we know, through just virtual learning was really difficult for a lot of folks, especially in this community where you have wide disparities financially between some many families. Nationally, students lost ground in reading and math, among other subjects. We know one of the broad goals for the new superintendent is to take on a new strategic plan to improve student outcomes for 68,000 students. So can you tell us a little bit more about that strategic plan? We touched on it a little bit, really lays out a roadmap, but how does that work? What is all in that plan? Yeah, so it's called Emerging Stronger and it's a five-year strategic plan. And hopefully this doesn't come as a surprise at this point in the conversation, but it's grounded in what the community told us. So we also went out to the community. We hosted a bunch of community engagement, community outreach surveys as well to hear from the community. What do you want to see from your school district? They told us that they want kids to graduate able to read, able to do math, able to have success in post-secondary life. And as I mentioned, some of those habit skills and mindsets for success like perseverance. So they told us that's what's most important. And then we went and we set goals based on those specific priorities that the community identified. We also asked them, what's most important to you in general when it comes to education? What are the values that you hold for education? And they told us that too. And so we set guardrails for the district. And I think it's helpful to think of the guardrails as like rules of the road. These are the rules that the district must follow as they're going about implementing the plan. And so as an example, one of those was that there would be wraparound support systems. And so for kids, we know that schools provide so much more than just an education. They provide food and meals and heat and air conditioning and social services, counseling. So we wanted to make sure that those wraparound supports aftercare are provided and that they're provided equitably. So every student has what, need, what they need, because that's what the community told us. High quality curriculum and instruction is another one. You can go off and say, you as a school district can go and say, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to go ahead and make sure all kids learn reading and improve in reading. 
But our community also told us that they want to make sure that the curriculum is culturally and linguistically responsive. So that's another one of the rules of the road. You, you can't approve curriculum that's not culturally responsive, that's not challenging. And so we set all of those forward. So with the goals and those rules of the road, the district then went and created their five-year strategic plan. It's got four priorities. The first one is clear expectations. And so that's just making it clear what every student should be able to learn and do when they finish an APS. The second is rigorous expectations, because I think we've been a little bit too, we've had low expectations for too long for too many students. And so we want to make sure that everybody gets the highest quality, most challenging grade level appropriate content. So that rigorous instruction is key. The third is related to operations. And then we also have social emotional skills. And so it's a plan that has clear metrics, clear initiatives. The superintendent's job is to align it to the budget. And our job is to monitor that for accountability. Let me ask you real quick, because you have been on the board now for about two years and we take a snapshot of where you were at and your mindset from wanting to join the board and the results of the strategic plan. Did those results align with where you thought you needed to see APS or wanted to see APS grow from your time before you joined the school board? They did. And again, I think a lot of it is not revolutionary. A lot of it is common sense, right? It's our kids should be able to do uh, math and should be able to read and should be able to have the career of their choice after post-secondary. Those are things that I want for my kids. They're things that you all probably want for your kids and everyone else wants. So they're not controversial. And again, that's another thing that when this school board moves on, when the next superintendent moves on, these types of things will stay and can't or shouldn't be changed. I will say that I have done a lot of work around social and emotional development, around mental health, around ensuring that schools are safe, supportive, and the kids have a sense of belonging, because I know that's so important to enable kids to learn. And that's a lot of what I ran on. And again, parents said the same thing. Like, I want my kid to feel safe. I want my kid to have friends. I want my kid to be happy. Those things matter to parents. And there's things that schools can do to foster that. And so, yeah, that's in the plan, too, because, again, that's what the community wanted. And I know if you want to read more about the strategic plan, it's online. We can put links in our show notes and in the corresponding web article. But I wanted to ask you, too, after these Tuesday public forums, the APS Board of Education will meet again in an executive session on Wednesday, January 31st for final interviews with the two finalists and then ultimately select a new superintendent. Again, this person will replace Scott Elder, who's retiring from APS when his contract is up at the end of June. Can you tell us, Danielle, are you leaning a certain way already with your choice or are you feeling a lot of pressure for this decision? I can tell you I am not leaning a particular way. I'm very pleased with both of the candidates that we have as our two finalists. And I, I would feel confident with either one of them being able to carry forth the job. And so when it comes down to it, we'll hear what the community thinks. We'll hear based on the questions that the community has submitted. We will also do interviews, again, based on what the community wanted us to have in the superintendent. And we'll lean in there and we've got a rubric and then we're going to have to deliberate as a board. And, you know, we're seven very different people, different backgrounds. Will we be entirely in agreement? I don't know. I hope so. But we're going to spend some time deliberating, dialoguing, discussing, and hope to come out of that session with some consensus on who the next superintendent is. 
And again, I think there's probably going to be disagreement across responses to particular questions or competencies or beliefs about either of these people. But at the end of the day, we, we are really confident with the search that we've conducted and the two finalists that we have. And so I'd feel really good about either one of them leading our district. It's a momentous time and certainly pressure-filled decision, I imagine. Is there anything that we're missing that you'd like to add or that you want people to understand? Yeah, we've talked a little bit and we've talked a lot about community engagement and student voice in particular is a really big one. I think there's still a lot of bias amongst us adults around what students know. And I think we need to get past that and really trust in and believe kids because they're closest. They're in the system every day. And so we do have a student panel today as part of the forum. So we're going to hear directly from not just the most talented student government leaders, but from kids, all all types of kids. We're going to hear from elementary school, middle school and high school students hearing questions that were submitted by their peers. And so this is just another example, not just of how much student voice matters, but how we're really committed to listening uh, and to making sure that that factors into our decisions. And so we're always looking for more ways to engage the community, but I think particularly students. So I would encourage all students to get involved. We appreciate it, Danielle Gonzalez. Good luck with the uh, forums ahead and the big decision. Yeah, thank you. It it is a big one. Again, thanks to Danielle Gonzalez, the Board of Education President for Albuquerque Public Schools. We certainly will have more coverage on The Choice on KRQE.com. You can also download that KRQE News app. Send notifications to big news stories. So this would be one of them that when a decision's made, you'll get an alert if you have the app. There's your PSA. Also, stay tuned on the New Mexico News Podcast for more coverage of your headlines across New Mexico. If you have an idea or somebody you'd like to hear from on our podcast, feel free to reach out. I'm Gabrielle.Burkhardt at KRQE.com via email and GBurkNM on social media. I'm at Chris McKee TV and also Chris.McKee at KRQE.com. Thanks for listening.